for, and I'm glad to be here tonight. I'm glad <clears throat> that you're able to be here. I hate that there are people who are sick. We've got that at our place too. And uh, I appreciate them getting my high school picture up on the screen too. That's a blessing. I saw, I was showing my wife at on the way over. I said, I look like Bill Davis, Lord help us. And if you don't know Bill Davis, he's a good preacher friend of ours. But, um, but I uh, text for the Pope, I think it was yesterday. And uh, Monday and Tuesday, I had, I had some kind of little bug. And uh, just run a low-grade fever. Uh, I, I, by the way, I took a, a COVID test. It was negative, just to put your mind at ease. Um, but the doctor, I called the doctor, and I, or I emailed her, and I said, look, I, I just... I want you to know I'm just and, and I'm just running a low grade fever. I just don't feel real good. And, and the nurse said, "Well, why don't you why don't you come in for a COVID test because ours are more accurate than the one you take at home?" I said, "No, ma'am, I'm good." I said, "I'm I'm fine." Uh, what I did find out, you can rest assured, I don't have COVID, but I did test positive for monkeypox, and. Uh, <laughs> I knew something was up. I was craving bananas and swinging on the bedpost. <clears throat> uh, no, and I, but I, today's been wonderful. I hadn't had a fever since the night before last, and so uh, I'm, I'm feeling good. And I look forward to this. I appreciate Brother and Ms. Pope and their family so very much. And uh, I, I'm just, I was here, I believe, Brother Steve, I'm right, the very first Sunday you opened, I preached on Sunday night when you opened this building. And uh, I, this is the first time I've, I've been back since that night. But, man, I'm excited all over again. God, this, just, God is on this place. I hope you understand that. God is on this place. And I keep up with stuff on social media and what the Lord's doing and your revival and your VBS and all that. And God has, uh, God has blessed you. He's been very good. I, I, think, about, um, I think about Zach and, uh, and uh, we've supported Zach since they were on deputation. Uh, and then when uh, Caleb decided to go, felt called to go to uh, San Francisco I had to call Brother Pope. I needed some comfort, man. I needed a little bit of help. And he was able to help me. And uh, then to see the Bushies, it's, that's a blessing. We partnered with them. And it's just really good to be here. I'm glad my wife could come with me tonight. And uh, I'm going to tell you, you know how this is. And you men who preach, you, you, you probably have been here. But you, you're coming into a meeting like this. And uh, these are some great, well, not that one, but the rest of them are great preachers, and, uh, and, and I'm excited for you to get to hear them. But you're coming in, and you've been praying and seeking the mind of the Lord about what to preach, and, and, and it's, a one, it's a one and done deal, you know? And uh, I, I know this, there, there's, if it's Bible, there's no bad sermon, there's no bad message, but I do believe this. I do believe God has a message for the hour. And uh, so I'm, I'm going to be really transparent with you. I brought, I brought three sermons with me. Uh, one, I'm going to preach at home Sunday morning, this Sunday morning. I've never pre- I almost preached it. I've got it. It's in my wife's purse. I just put it in there. She wrote it, handed it to me. I looked at it, gave it back to her. 
Um, and one I preached, uh, I think, the Sunday before last, and this sermon I preached last Sunday. And I, I was on the way over here, and we were just, we were quiet, and, and I was driving. The title of the message tonight is, How Can You Say It Is Well? You say, well, that, what does that mean? Well, let me just tell you, listen. If this, this helped me, I'm telling you. I told the Lord when I was coming over, I said, Lord, I, I don't, I believe this is the message you want me to preach. It sure would help me if they would sing it as well with my soul tonight. And when that offertory cranked up while I go, I, I had to hold myself down, man. I mean, come on now, what are the chances, right? How many songs are there in the songbook? I enjoyed all of it. I enjoyed that song. I enjoyed the previous song. Uh, but man, when they started playing It Is Well With My Soul, I, I don't have a doubt. I took those other sermons, put them in her purse. I said, hey, this is the matter. I believe this. I believe God does that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, we're living, man, we're living in a crazy day. I was on the way over. I was getting ready to leave. And one of our men called and said, is there any way you'd go by Duke Hospital and uh, see my mother-in-law. She's 89 years old. She doesn't attend our church. She's a godly Christian lady. And uh, he said, could you go by and pray with her? And so uh, we pulled up to the ER at Duke. She's 89 years old. She's been sick, just hadn't been feeling good. They finally talked her into going to the doctor last night. And at three o'clock this morning, they diagnosed her with stage four cancer. And I walked in, I walked in and uh, the, the, the daughter of the mother, who's a member of our church, met me in the lobby, the emergency room. And I'm just, I'm just going to tell you, it, it looked like a third world country. in there. I mean, There's people everywhere. We, I mean, it was packed, wheelchairs. We finally got through the lobby, started down the hall. And, and because there's no room, there's beds lined the hallway, lining the hallway with people in them. And uh, this, we're, we're in a mess. We're in a mess. You ever think about this? They want to tell us that 18 to 21-year-olds are not smart enough to handle a handgun, but a five-year-old can choose his gender. Is, is, is this America? Does anybody feel like, I felt like, we were going to shut down for two weeks to slow the spread. And, and when we finally came back out, it was like somebody moved me to another continent. But can I tell you, it is well. The story that we're going to look at tonight, the sons of the prophets were men who were training for ministry under the, under the tutelage of Elijah. Elisha, I'm sorry. And in 2 Kings chapter 4, uh, we don't really have a text. I'm not going to ask you to stand. We're just going to, we're going to look at a lot of scripture tonight. But look at verse 8. And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in hither to eat bread. And she said to her husband, Behold, now I perceive this is a holy man of God, which passeth by us continually. 
Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall. And let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick. And it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. That's where we get the idea of the modern day prophet's chamber, which is kind of what you're doing down here in this old building. It's, it's, it's called, we call ours, we have one, we call it a prophet's chamber. You could call it a missionary magnet. As a matter of fact, I was sitting there at night, my phone buzzed and I looked at it. It was a missionary checking into the prophet's chamber down in Durham. And uh, that's where we got the idea. We just went up in our building and uh, took, took some space and put a little bedroom in there, a little uh, area like a kitchenette kind of, and a little living area and a bathroom. And that's, that's where this idea came from. And she said to her husband, she said, why can't, we, why can't we fix a little place where when the man of God comes, he has a place to go and a place to rest and a place to be refreshed. And, and one day when Elisha was lying on that bed, he got to thinking, you know, this lady's been really good to me. The introduction's a little long. Sermon really isn't. Stick with me. But he said, this, this, this little lady has been really good to us. And and he said to his servant Gehazi, he said, what, what can we do? How could we repay her? Look at, verse, look at verse number 11. And it fell on a day that he came thither and he turned into the chamber and lay there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, call the Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And, she, and he said unto him, say now unto her, behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? Wouldest thou be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the host? Could, could we go to the king and give you a commendation? Or in modern day language, could we give you a good review? Would it be, could we give you a five-star review because you've been so gracious to us? Could we speak to the king on your behalf? I love what she said. She said, I dwell among my own people. I like that. She said, no, I, I just, uh, I, I'm fine. I, I, I dwell with my own people. Look at verse number uh, 14. And he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, verily, she hath no child and her husband is old. And he said, call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the door. And he said, about this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaid. She said, he said, ma'am, he said, you're going to have a baby. And she said, preacher, don't lie to me. He said, no, I'm telling you, you're going to have a baby. God's going to bless you. Because if you, And by the way, I want you to know this. God is not a debtor to any man. And the scripture says you can't even get a, give a cup of cold water to a child in his name that he doesn't take note and bless you for. So you can come off of a VBS and all the effort and all the sacrifice and the extra time and the energy and the money. Mark her down, my friend. God took note of what happened here last week and he's going to bless you for your faithfulness to serve others. I want you to see an amazing verse in this passage. This uh, little boy, she had this baby and this little boy grew up and we don't know exactly how old he was, but he went to work with his daddy one day. 
And they were out in the fields, and a lot of Bible commentators believe that maybe he suffered some kind of a heat stroke. But if you'll notice with me in verse number 17, the Bible says, And the woman conceived and bare a son at that season that Elisha had said unto her according to the time of life. And when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father to the reapers. And he said unto his father, My head, my head. And he said, uh, And he said to a lad, Carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. She went and got her husband. She said, get me a servant and get me a, get me a, get me a donkey. And she said, I've got to go see the man of God. Her husband's not the brightest. He's not the sharpest tool in the shed. And he said, well, it's not even, it's not a feast day. It's not, it's not Sunday. Why are you going to see the man of God? She said, just do it. She said, she said, just, just, just help me. I'm going to see the man of God. This young servant saddles up this donkey and chariot and she gets in and she says, don't, don't put the pedal to the metal, brother. She said, I got somewhere I got to go. I'm on a mission. And uh, she said, if I don't say anything, you don't slow down. You go as hard as you can. And he did. And when she stopped that chariot and got out, Elisha saw her and he said, that's that Shunammite woman. Elisha said to Gehazi, go, go ask her if it's well. Amazing verse to me, an amazing verse. Chapter 26 I'm sorry, verse 26, chapter 4. Run now, I pray thee, to meet her and say unto her, Is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, It is well. How can you say it is well? The only baby you've ever had is dead. Lying on a bed in a little room where the prophet of God sleeps, how can you say it is well? And yet here we are in 2022 living in chaos. Not only is there chaos ruling outside the walls of the church, and I'm not going to speak for your church tonight, but I will speak for mine. And I love my church. I love our people. I'm going to speak for a lot of churches where I've been while chaos reigns out there. Apathy reigns in here. It's getting more and more. I'm just telling you, and I'm not, I've pastored that church for 34 years. If there's anyone to blame, if there's anyone to blame, it's got to be me. But Brother Pope, it's never been harder to get people to be committed than it is tonight for me. If it, if it, if it fits in my schedule, if I don't have anything else planned, if we're not too busy, well, we'll be happy to help out. I was talking to a pastor not too long ago, and he said, I, he said, I, I kind of took a poll. I went through our records, and he said, I found that the average age, and this is a large church in a Midwestern city uh, with a rich history. He said, I found that the average age of the Sunday school teachers and bus workers in our church was 67. I'm just telling you, I've got five kids and they're all millennials. I guess that, I guess they're millennials. 
And, and we've got awesome kids. We're blessed. We're, we're so thankful. But can I just tell you what I see? A generation has come up within the church that thinks completely differently. Man, when I stand up, pastor, and teach on child rearing and how I raise my kids, it's like I'm speaking a foreign language. And when I tell them how my daddy raised me, they want to call the cops. I did too when I was being raised. Well, how in the world, pastor, how, how can you say it is well? I'm just here to tell you tonight. I'm here to tell you, child of God, it is well. It is well. Everything's all right in my father's house. Now, I'm going to show you why she could say that, all right? Let's jump into it. Let's just jump into it. Number one, she could say it is well because she has a place. You're going to have to stick with me. She has a place. Look, if you would, at verse number 21. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. We can only imagine the emptiness in her heart. Maybe some of you have had this experience and the hurt in her soul. And when things were as bad as they could ever be for her, she knew of a place. She went to that little room, that little prophet's chamber. Hey, I'm here to tell you tonight, she didn't take him to the morgue. She didn't take him to the graveyard. She didn't call the funeral director because she wasn't conceding to a burial. She was believing God for a resurrection. She knew a place. There's a reason why she went where she went. She could say it as well because she knew a place. Number two, she could say it as well because she knows some people. She knew she wasn't facing this dilemma alone. Look at verse number 22. And she called unto her husband and said, send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the asses that I may run to the man of God and come again. See, when, when, say, when, when tragedy strikes, Satan would like to put you on an island. That's what he does. He he wants to make you think you're all alone and he wants to drown you in your loneliness. Back in, I've had ringing in my ears for a couple of years. I'm, I'm 62. Some things just go with the territory, right? in January, I had COVID for the second time, nothing like what you experienced, but, but I had COVID for the second time and it was like the ringing went to a whole nother level. And, and I got real stuffy in my ear and I called my doctor and uh, she said, when did this start? And I said, what'd you say? <laughs> uh, I said, well, you know, I've told you before my, I've, I've got that tinnitus and I said, but I had, I had COVID. She said, well, let me call you in some, uh, some steroids, some prednisone, and she did, and it seemed to get a little bit better, and I, and, and I just kind of went on. I knew, I could tell I wasn't hearing as well out of this ear, and uh, I was working in the yard in the, in the spring, and I, I was blowing the driveway off, and I looked down, there was a copperhead, and I called my wife, and I said, uh, I said bring the truck down here because I knew I had something in the truck to take care of copperheads. And uh, 
So she pulled the truck down, and, and I wanted to stay there and keep an eye on, on the devil. And uh, she pulled the truck out, and I got, I got my handgun and laid down across the hood and, and shot it, and shot it, and shot it, and shot it, and shot it. And, uh, but I didn't have any ear protection. Man, my ears went crazy. Uh, tonight, during the singing, I had to cover my ear. Because it, it just, it, it just, it creates problems. And uh, so I called my doctor and I said, I, you know, I probably ought to see an ear doctor. And I went and had a hearing test and I didn't do well. And, uh, and he said, uh, we're going we're gonna to set you up for an MRI and see if there's anything going on that we can't see from this side of your eardrum. And about three days later, he called and I had already figured it out. I, I had already, I, I talked to Dr. Google. How many of you talk to Dr. Google? How many of you know that always ends in death? <laughs> always, right? Always. And the doctor said, Mr. Finley, you have a brain tumor. He said, you have, it is benign. These are not malignant, but you have an acoustic neuroma in your ear canal. And uh, he said, we're going to refer you to a specialist at UNC. So I went to see him and and uh, he said, you know, we can watch it and wait and see if it grows anymore, or we can do radiation, or we can, uh, we can go in uh, and get it. He said, we can go through your ear canal, but you'll lose your hearing in that ear, but that's the least invasive. Or we can go through your skull and uh, get it, and you got a 50-50 chance of keeping your hearing in this ear. So if you would pray with me about that, that's where I'm at right now, trying to figure out what I need to do, and I've, got an, uh, I've talked to a doctor in L.A. last week, and, uh, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm wandering a little bit. Stick with me. I'm headed somewhere. I know where I'm going. I just don't know how to get there. But, uh, but, but, but you know, when I heard that, I was, I was in my truck, and I had left the house. I told my wife, I said, I'm going to go down the pond down the road and fish for a little bit. And I got down to the end of the driveway, and the doctor called and said, you, you have an acoustic neuroma. Man, I felt so all alone for just a minute. And I said, well, I'll go down there and fish. Man, I couldn't fish. I went down there. I, 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 threw, I threw the line into, into water about twice. I came back home and told my wife. And, and, and so Wednesday night, I told our people. I said, I'm going to tell you what's going on. Here's what's going on. It's not, by the way, it's not life-threatening. Thank the Lord. It's not life-threatening. And, and uh, we'll figure it out. God will direct us in it. And, uh, but you know, I feel like, you know how it is when you get a diagnosis or something like that. My wife got in the truck at the service. She said, Jenny New had an acoustic neuroma when she was 25 years old. Jenny New's 45 years old, I'm guessing, a lady in our church. I picked up my phone. I called. I said, Jenny, did you have one of these tumors? She said, yes, sir. I said, praise God, you're normal. And we talked about it, and she said, I, I, I don't have any hearing on my left side. And, and I, I got an idea. I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to call some preacher friends around the country that have larger works, that know a lot of people. And I, I emailed Paul Chapel, and Brother Chapel emailed me back, and he said, Brother Finley, I got an ENT doctor in my church. 
And the next day, this doctor from Los Angeles calls me and three days last week, I talked to him on the phone and he's guiding me. And, and then somebody said, this is the guy you need to see out at Duke. He's one of the best in the country. And I thought, yeah, and I can probably see him in 2024, right? Last week, I got a call from his nurse. She said, he's leaving the country this afternoon, but he can get you in on August the 18th. You know what I'm telling you tonight? When the devil tells you you're all by yourself, he's a stinking liar. He's a liar. And he'll try to put you on an island and isolate you and drown you in your loneliness. But we can rejoice this evening that in our darkest hours, God has brought people into our lives to help us. How can you say it as well? Because I know some people. What about Peter? Peter reluctantly drops one net into the water when Jesus commanded him to drop the nets. And immediately that net fills with fish and the net breaks. So what is he going to do? Here I am. I'm out in the middle of the sea. What am I going to do? Where am I going to turn? Luke 5, 7 says, and they beckoned unto their partners. God had put someone right there at just the right time because he knew where Peter was and what Peter was going through. And by the way, it doesn't say that Peter screamed for him. It says that all he had to do was beckon because you know what? God had already zoned those fishermen in to be looking at Peter. You're not alone. How can you say it's well? Well, she knows a place. And she knows some people. Look at chapter 4, verse 24. Then she saddled an ass and said to her servant, drive and go forward, slack not thy riding for me except I bid thee. Let me just tell you, this little lady ain't fooling around. I mean, man, she is on a mission as quickly as she can. She goes to the place where she believes the man of God will be. And when she gets there, she offers no apology, no disclaimer. She, you say, how can she, how can she say it is well? I'll tell you why. Because she demonstrates some boldness. Hey, if you're in trouble, if you're in trouble tonight, you can ask for help. What do they say? Every time we pick up a suicide letter, you know what it says? Always, 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 no one understands and no one cares. Right? Well, how in the world, how in the world can she say it as well? Because, because she has a place and she knows some people and she demonstrates some boldness. And then, and then chapter four, verse 16, when Elisha said to her, you're going to have this baby, she said, nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto, unto thine handmaid. So as far as, as far as she's concerned, Elisha has made her a promise. Would you agree with me on that? He made, so you know why she can say it as well? Because she's claiming a promise. She has a place. She knows some people. She demonstrates some boldness. And she claims a promise. She comes to Elisha and she said, I told you not to lie to me. You know what? She really believed it when he said, I'm going to give you, God's going to give you a baby. She, she really, in her heart, she, she, she believed that. And, 
And when she finally got to Elisha in chapter four, verse number 28 at the end of the verse, she said, did I desire a son of my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? Ma'am, I got a question for you. How can you say it as well? Well, I have a place. And I know some people, and I, I'm not making any apologies. I'm, I'm demonstrating some boldness. And, and that, 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 that prophet made me a promise. And one last thing, and then we're going to tie this together. Ma'am, how can you say it as well? Well, she embraces a man. The wording there is probably not the best, but you'll see where I'm headed. As her and this servant drive furiously to get to Elisha, the prophet sees her afar off. Look at verse 25. So she went and came unto the man of God to Mount Carmel. It came to pass when the man saw her afar off that he said to Gehazi, his servant, Behold, yonder is that Shunammite. Run now, I pray thee, to meet her and say unto her, Is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with the child? Now, if you read this, it, it's almost like she just blew Gehazi off. She didn't come to see Gehazi. She came to see Elisha. And, and it's almost as if in her mind she's thinking, I didn't come all this way to see a servant. I didn't risk my life driving like a maniac to speak with a delegated authority. I have not put my hope in a hired hand. I want to see the man. Look at verse 27. And when she came to the man of God to the hill, she caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to thrust her away. And the man of God said, let her alone, for her soul is vexed within her, and the Lord hath hid it from me and hath not told me. If you know the rest of the story, you know that Elijah went into that prophet's chamber and raised that little boy from the dead. Oh, man, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? That's how you can say it's well. Because you knew exactly where to go. And you knew there were people in your life who were going to help you in your hour of need. And you remembered that promise that you received. And so you boldly came demanding assistance. And when you got to the man of God, he gave you what no one else could give you. But I know what you're thinking. You're thinking... But I don't have a prophet's chamber, and I don't drive a fast chariot, and I don't know Elisha. So how can it be well in my life? Let's get out of the Old Testament, Pastor. It's 2022. It seems like my life has fallen apart around me. Week before last, Julie Staples, after battling cancer for two and a half years, 37 years old, went to be with the Lord. Young mother. She went, <clears throat> she graduated from our Christian school, Brother Stephen. Actually graduated, I think in my daughter, my oldest daughter's graduating class. There was only three students. She attended a Southern Baptist church. She was the youth director in her church. 
So when I preached this last Sunday, her mom was sitting right underneath the balcony back there. Her brother was on vacation, but he's one of our deacons and one of our bus captains. How can you say as well? Deb Silvano is our Spanish director's wife. Last weekend while I was preaching this message, she was in Springfield, Tennessee, visiting her sister who carried a baby full term, went to the hospital thinking she was going to deliver only to find out the baby had no heartbeat. So that's a really cool story and all. That's a cool story. I like it. But what about me? What, what in the world is going to happen to our country? What's going to happen to our churches? How in the world are we going to raise kids in this culture? Let's not pretend that those questions don't cross our minds. Right? What's going to happen to our economy? Those of you who are a little older and maybe nearing retirement, and for the last six months, you've watched what you have worked your whole life to put aside, has hit the bottom. So, okay, okay, okay. We know now because we can look back, but pastor, I'm not looking back, I'm looking forward. And how can I say, how can you, how can you tell me tonight that it is well? Well, don't you know a place? Don't you know a place? Now, I don't know about Union Grove, but I can tell you, I, I can tell you two hours east of here when the burdens of my heart are beyond bearable and, and when, when the load is so heavy and when I feel like no one understands and no one cares, you know where I go? I go to church. I go to church, 450 Maldi Street, right there on the side of Highway 70. I go to church. Man, I don't know how to explain it except to tell you that when I walk through the doors, it feels like I've come home. It's like a breath of fresh air that's, man, it's almost as if it was sent from heaven above. And it's like I can check all my burdens at the door. And if I'm not careful, I'll get so much help inside church, I'll forget and leave them there when I go to get in the truck to go home. God hasn't left us without a place. I think about the role that church has played in my life. I, I, I think, about, by the way, that is why Satan works so fervently to get you out of here. Man, you have a bad week. You succumb to temptation. You fall into sin. And you know what the devil does? He does it to every single one of us. I wish I had a dollar for every time he jumped right here. This is my good ear. And said, how are you going to preach that sermon Sunday? I know what you was thinking last night. You're going to stand up there. You think you deserve to stand up there and tell those people how to live. I'm just being honest with you. You know what he tells you? Oh, you can't, you can't go to church. You, 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 there's people down there that know what you did Friday night. 
There, there's people down there. They know, they, 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 they know what's going on in your life. You can't go. You know why he's trying to keep you out of here? Because you need this place. That's why. She knew a place, man, if I can't come here, where am I going to go? If you're in trouble, if your heart breaks, if you're looking for answers, can I tell you something? You've come to a good place. How can I say it's well? Well, I know a place. And I'll tell you something else. I know some people. I know some people. I, 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 there ain't nothing like the family of God. There is nothing like it. There is nothing like Christian. There's nothing like the family of God. Man, I don't know. I, I don't know, Brother Pope. I, I've never been in a gang. I've never hung out at the bar with my boozing buddies. I've never sat with a bunch of friends shooting stuff into my veins or snorting stuff up my nose to try to diffuse my problems. But I tell you what, I've walked into the house of God and I have... I have engaged in fellowship with the children of God and the people of God. And it has given me strength time and time and time again. And it seems like, it seems like God sends those people at just the right time. A phone call from Jenny New saying, preacher, I had one of those. A phone call from some doctor in California. I can't even pronounce his name. Pastor Finley, this is going to be okay. That's what God does. That's that's how God gets us through the tough times is, is he brings us together and, and, and he, he, he helps us. Yes, we have to bear our own burdens, uh, Galatians tells us, but we also are privileged to bear one another's burdens. Thank God for the people of God. Can I say this? If the Holy Spirit of God, by the way, if you want to be one of those Luke chapter 5 partners, you got to be looking. Those, those, that other, the guys in the other boat, Peter beckoned. He didn't yell and scream. You know why? Because they were looking. If old Peter gets in trouble, if Peter gets in trouble, and all he had to do was wave his hand, and man, they were there. I want to challenge you tonight. When you walk through the doors of Calvary Baptist Church, don't come in here looking for somebody to pick you up. Look for somebody to pick up. Don't, don't walk in here saying, well, I hope somebody helps me. You come in here saying, man, i got to be able to help somebody. there got to be somebody, somebody. And you know what I've found? It may be a pat on the back. It may be a good firm handshake. It may be an embrace. It may be, hey, I prayed for you this week. It may be, here, here's five bucks. Go get you a cup of coffee. It may be any little thing, but God uses people to help people. We're going to be okay. You know why? Because we have each other. We're going to be okay. Thank God for the church, man. Many years ago, 1992, 30 years ago, last month, month before last, we had come through a split. We lost 250 people in one week. I was, I was 33 years old. I was 28 when I started pastoring. I was 33 when the split came. And I thought, that's how old Jesus was when they crucified him. That's all I could think. <laughs> Maybe this is the end. I'm, I'm lying in the floor of my office on my face, crying like a little boy who just lost his puppy. 
and the intercom on the phone, the secretary said, Preacher, Dr. Tom Williams is on the phone. How many of you know Brother Williams? Old cowboy, he's a prayer warrior. I got up. Man, I got snot running everywhere. I'm out of control. I'm wiping snot off. I'm trying to clear my, you know how it is. Like when people call you at three o'clock in the morning, did I wake you up? You say, that's a ridiculous question. You know what's even more ridiculous? When you say, oh, no. (laughs) I got up and cleared my throat and answered the phone. I said, hello. And Tom Williams said, Brother Rick, I don't know why I'm calling, except the Lord told me to call you and let you know that I'm praying for you. You know why we're going to be okay? Because we got each other. So when the Spirit of God impresses on your heart to reach out to someone, you got to listen. Well, how can we say, Brother Finley, how can you just stand up there and say, it is well? I can tell you why. Because we, we, can, we can show some boldness. You know why we can show some boldness? Because Jesus said to. You know what he said in Hebrews? Here's what he said. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. You, you don't, when, when, when you're in trouble and you cry out to God, you don't have to apologize for it. He said, he gave you access, my friend, when his son died on that cross and was, and, and was resurrected and that veil tore from the top to the bottom, and God gave us access to the throne of grace. And you don't have to apologize. You don't have to say, God, I know you ever do this. I do this all the time. I just did this. I was, I was trying to call somebody yesterday. I was trying to connect someone with someone else, and I thought they could help each other. And the guy I was trying to call is super busy. You know Chad Conley. Chad Conley, is, he's with He's not a preacher. He's with an organization called Faith Wins. You ought to look it up. It's worth your time. And Chad Conley is a born-again believer who travels all over the country trying to stir up Christians to get out and vote at election time. By the way, you better get out and vote at election time. And I'm not here. It's not a political mission that I'm on tonight, but I'm just telling you, it's time for God's people to speak up. Why in the world, and I have no idea why I'm saying this, but I know I'm preaching the right message. Why in the world do we think that we are to be the light of the world in every area except politics? Why do we compartmentalize? And I kept texting Chad, hey, I got to get you hooked up with this. I, I got to get you connected with this girl. She's running for office here in, in our area, and I, I think you could help her. And, and, and you know what? I kept saying, I'm sorry to bother you. I'm sorry to bother you. I'm sorry to bother you. Don't ever say that to God. Because he gave you access. You know, why, you know why we can say it as well? Because we can run to the throne anytime we want to. Yes. We can say it as well because we have promises to claim. Right? Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. 
Matthew 11, 28, 29, come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn to me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. We, we, we're going to be okay, church. We're going to be okay. Why? We're, we're going to be okay because, because we have a place and because we know some people and because we have some promises and because we can come boldly to God and we're going to be okay. Because we know the man. Yep. Amen. <laughs> you know why we're going to be okay? Because we can embrace Jesus. That's why. Places are good. I love the church. People are helpful. That's my family. Promises are true, and I'm going to claim them, and boldness is expected, and I try to demonstrate it. But the reason why I know it as well is because I know the man. Much like Gehazi tried to thrust the Shunammite away, people will discourage you. They'll say things like, well, your God isn't real and he doesn't care about what is going on in your life and he doesn't have time to care for you. Hey, say what you may. I just need to get to Jesus. People will say your problem is too big and, and, and they'll tell you that it's impossible and the pro professionals will tell you that it's not fixable. Say what you want to, but if you'll excuse me, I just need to get to Jesus. They'll tell you, the devil will tell you, you've not been living right, so he probably won't help you. And how can you be so bold to come to him in your current condition and you don't deserve the help that you desire? Hey, whatever, man, whatever. I just got to get to Jesus. You know why we're going to be okay tonight? Because we know Jesus. And when I can't get to church, I can get to him. And when people don't understand, he always does. And when those that I think would help me are unavailable, he's always with me. He will never leave me nor forsake me. We're going to be okay. Elisha told Gehazi, he said, go and, and lay my staff on him. You know what people will do? They'll always look for shortcuts. Right? Here, let me give, let me give this guy $5 just to get him out of my hair. That's what people do. What's the guy's name? Um, Brooklyn Tabernacle. What's the pastor's name? Anybody know? Symbola. I couldn't think of it. Symbola tells the story. He finished. It was an Easter. It was an Easter. And I've never been there, but it's, it's in the city. And he finished preaching. And when he finished preaching, he sat down on the front of the platform just like this. Took his coat off, loosened his tie. And he looked, and the doors opened, and in came a vagrant, a homeless man. Symbala, you can look it up. He said, I, I talked with people around me, and he said, out of the corner of my eye, I kept watching this guy because I knew what he wanted. He said, the closer he got, he said, he got about eight feet from me, and he said, I reached for my wallet, and he stepped up, and he said, Pastor, you don't need your wallet. I don't want your money. 
I want your Jesus. Symbala said I was smitten in my spirit because I, <clears throat> I realized how shallow I was and how judgmental I was. And he said, I stood up and he said, I stepped forward in my clean white shirt and he, he said, I embraced that filthy man. He said, his dirt became my dirt, and his odor became my odor. And, and you know what? Sometimes pastors let you down. What, what, yeah, go see. You probably never do this, but I'm just, well, yeah, why don't you go see Brother So-and-so? Why don't you go see Miss So-and-so? They'll help you. And I understand about delegation and responsibility and all that. But Elisha sent Gehazi. He said, hey, take this staff, go lay it, go lay it, go lay it on that boy. So Gehazi, he makes his way back to the prophet's chamber. Chapter 4, verse 29 says, Then he said to Gehazi, Gird up thy loins and take my staff in thine hand and go thy way. If thou meet any man, salute him not. And if any salute thee, answer him not again. And lay my staff upon the face of the child. I love what this broken woman, how she responds to this. Look at verse 30. And the mother of the child said, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. Elisha, you can send anyone you want to send, but I need you. And I, you read that passage, and I don't know, I wasn't there, obviously, but I get the idea Gehazi walks in almost ceremonially, going through the motions, right? Lays the staff on the boy, nothing happens. I did, hey, I tried. Right? I tried. That's what the world, that's what the world will do. That's what a lot of Christians will do. He came back and he said, look, look at what he said. In Gehazi, verse 31, Gehazi passed on before them and laid the staff upon the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Wherefore, he went again to meet him and told him, saying, well, didn't work. We tried. Child is not awake. But read the rest of the story. Because when man's efforts failed, when Gehazi's efforts fail, Elisha walks in and he closes the door. You know why he closed the door? Because he ain't expecting nobody else to do it. You know why he closed the door? Because he was personally invested. You know why he closed the door? Because he didn't plan on leaving until that problem was rectified. And tonight I just want to tell you that if you're in trouble, Jesus is there with you. And he'll put people in your path to help you. And he'll give you a wonderful place like Calvary Baptist Church. And a wonderful pastor like Steve Pope. And he'll put good people all around you. But at the end of the day, sometimes we just don't have the answers, but he always does. You know why we're going to be, you know why we can say it as well? 
when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. You know why it's well? Because I know Jesus. So when you go home tonight and turn the news on, I'm going to tell you before, you've, before you pick up the remote, it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. I don't know if Pelosi is home yet or not. Was it China? China said, if you come over here, we're going to shoot you down. (laughs) God forgive me. (laughs) I can tell you before you turn it on, it's going to be bad. But I can tell you this. When you shut your eyes tonight, when you close your eyes, He won't close his. Everyone here has a burden. Everyone here has a heartache. Maybe your baby didn't die, but maybe your dreams did. Maybe your dreams did. If our pianist would come, we're going to have an invitation here in just a moment. And just whenever you get there, just play anything softly if you would. You know, I, I don't want you to think I'm a whiner. I'm, I'm really not. One reason why I want to tell you about this is you may know somebody, right? And I'm not overly stressed about this. I, I, I really am not. I, I was right at the beginning. You know, when they say brain tumor, it's like, whoa. But then after I got the facts, I thought, You know, God's at work. My wife and I have a son who is, who's away from the Lord. And when you wake up at 2 a.m., you got these kinds of issues in your life. When you wake up at 2 a.m., that's what comes, right? That burden, whatever your burden is, whatever your heartache is. That upcoming medical test, and you're scared. That wayward son or daughter. The uncertainty of your future. That pain you've been feeling in your right side and you wonder if it's cancer. You know what I'm talking about. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. But you know what? It is well. You know why? Because I know the man. And he's in control. And he knows what is going on in your life tonight. Thank God that we have a church. Thank God that we have a Bible. We have promises. Thank God that we have Christian friends and we can help each other. But at the end of the day, no matter who walks out, it don't matter. Because I know the man. 
I want you to bow your heads this evening. How many of you would just simply say this, Brother Rick? I almost preached. I almost preached. From Psalm 55, where the scripture, David is crying out and he said that we can cast our care upon the Lord. Cast your burden upon the Lord. Everybody has a burden. How many of you tonight would say, Pastor, there's something very heavy on my heart tonight. I know, I mean, you, you know, when I talk about that, that's the first thing that jumps in your head. How many of you would just say, there's a heavy load on me tonight, and I want you to pray for me. Would you lift your hand all the room, all the room, all the room. And it's the whole room, it's all over the room. Very few exceptions. But it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You know why? Because we know a place, and we have some people, and we have a book called the Bible with promises, and we can come boldly to him in prayer. But more than anything else, we know Jesus. We know Jesus. I want to ask you to stand tonight. I'm going to pray. And whatever you would normally do for an invitation is fine. But hey, you know what? Hey, you know, listen, listen. Buddy, when she got in that chariot, it was no holes barred. I got to get to Elisha. I got to get to Elisha. She actually told the servant, hey, don't slow down for me. I got to get to the man. I got to get to the man. You know what? Maybe we ought to run to an altar tonight. Maybe we ought to run to an altar and say, I just got to get to Jesus. Father, I pray you to help us. I pray that you would take this message. You use it in my life. I need it. My load, my load's heavy tonight. Pastor's load is heavy tonight. There's a lot going on. We just got to get to Jesus. We just got to get to Jesus. When the Gehazis come and try to push us away, we just got to get past them and get to Jesus. When the Gehazis go through the motions to try to appease us, we just got to work our way past them because we got to get to Jesus. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for saving us. And thank you for being there for us when our world crashes in. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Folks have come. If you need to use the altar tonight, if you need to find you a place and just cry out to him and just say, Jesus, I, hey, you say, why don't we know what to tell him? Oh, he understands. He, he understands your language. He understands language you don't speak. He knows your heart. You know what the Bible tells us? He knew what we needed before we ever asked. He just wants us to ask. He wants us to acknowledge that He is our hope, that He is our strength. He just wants us to acknowledge that He is the answer. We're going to be okay. I don't know what your burden is tonight, but I can tell you it's going to be okay. That little 89-year-old lady, when the doctors walked in at 3 a.m. this morning and said, Miss Tuck, you have stage four cancer. You know what she said? I'm 89 years old. I know Jesus. I, when I go, I'm going to see Stanley. That's her husband. She said, I've had a good life. I walked in a while ago, man. I was going to encourage her. Man, she encouraged me. She said, Brother Rick, you're a great preacher. 
I said, Miss Tuck, that's, that's a high honor coming from someone like you. She said, no, I mean it. She said, I've heard a lot of preaching. She said, I love, I love hearing you preach. I said, well, I just came here to pray for you. She said, please do. I said, you keep telling them about Jesus. She looked at those three Duke doctors and she said, you guys do what you can, but I, I'm going to be okay because I'm going to see Jesus. Praise God. You know what she really was saying? It is well. It is well. Our, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed just for a moment. Wow, what a message tonight. Altars filled with people. Hey, stay in the altar as long as you need to stay in the altar tonight. We're not in a hurry. Let me ask this just real quick before we go tonight. How many of you here tonight would say, Preacher, if I died tonight, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I would go to heaven without anybody looking. You just slip your hand up as a testimony to that. Praise the Lord. That's wonderful. You can lower your hands. Let me ask you this, though. Is there one here tonight anywhere who would say, Pastor, I could not raise my hand. If I died tonight, I'm not sure about heaven. I want to go to heaven, but I'm not sure about heaven. And I want you to pray for me. Is there one anywhere? Can I pray for you tonight? Is there one in, anywhere like that here tonight? Preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure that I'm saved. Anybody here tonight? Well, we've heard from heaven tonight. That's for sure. You know, I was trying to think about, uh, and you can look up this way. I was trying to think about what would be a good, what would be a good invitational song tonight? And I was just going through some invitation songs and it was like the Holy Spirit said, this is the one. This is the one I want you to use tonight. And as Brother Finley was preaching that message, I thought, now I know why the Lord wanted us to sing this one tonight. Well, thank God, everything's gonna be all right. It is well tonight. Whatever you're going through, it is well. You know why it's well? Because he lives. And thank God because of that we can face tomorrow. Hey, listen, before we go tonight, let's sing this little chorus together. If you need to come, the altars are open. You come tonight. Let's sing it together. Amen. Here we go. Ready? Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Sing it, church. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because. Now I want you to sing it like you mean it. All right, think about it. Because he lives, sing it, Calvary. I can face tomorrow because he lives. All fear is gone because I know he holds the future. Life is worth the living just because he lives. And all God's people said, amen. How many are glad it is well tonight? Amen. Well, what a blessing. Man, I'm glad we came tonight. And uh, we're going to go.